Midtown Detroit studios of WDET. This is Detroit Today. How much do our children really learn about black history and contributions during Black History Month? Maybe not as much as we think, or maybe they're not being taught quite the right things about our collective history. Today, we're going to talk with author and activist Des Cooper and Chastity Pratt, Education Bureau Chief for the Wall Street Journal, about how well we do in the classroom during Black History Month. That's next on Detroit Today. But right now, the news from NPR. Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. It's Black History Month, and that's a time when many of us try to reflect on the contributions of African Americans, as well as think a little about how our racist past and the racist present shapes American life today. But let's face it, as a society, we don't always do such a great job of talking about black history or acknowledging our past in an honest way. Even the idea of discussing or thinking about black history as something separate from American history should cause us to stop and think about how we approach these topics. And that's especially true in our schools. Experts have long said that our curricula are inadequate for understanding the role of race and racism in America's past, let alone trying to make sense of the ways it influences our lives today. And yet, when we have conversations about changing that to better acknowledge those things, to better shape the narrative for young people, it becomes a really, really divisive uh, tool and and part of America's dialogue. I mean, you cannot bring up the idea today of teaching black history without somebody clapping back at you about critical race theory or uh, other kind of scare tactics that are being used to suggest that we shouldn't talk at all about race, that we shouldn't tell people in schools about the past, about the present, or even about what the future might look like. This is a big part of America's culture wars right now. So we're going to spend the hour talking about what we're teaching kids about black history and race and racism in schools. And we're going to talk about the ways that we fall short ways that we could be doing this all a lot better. A little later in the program, we're going to hear from a former teacher who now trains new educators about how best to teach these subjects in a K-12 setting. But first, I want to welcome two really great friends of our show, both journalists who have seen firsthand how schools have failed to properly teach or even contextualize these subjects uh, with their own children. Chastity Pratt is the Education Bureau Chief for the Wall Street Journal and someone who has joined us a lot to talk about education on this program. Chastity, welcome back to Detroit Today. Good morning, Stephen. It's always great to have you here. And also with us is Desiree Cooper. She is a journalist and activist and caregiver who joins us from time to time to talk about a number of different subjects. Desiree, welcome back to Detroit Today. Good morning, Stephen. Thanks. It's always great to have you as well. Okay, so Desiree, I want to start with something that you sent us ahead of this conversation. I think this is really fascinating. It's a clip of you talking to your young granddaughter about the simple fact that you and she are African American. And I think what this clip shows is where kids are, where young kids are when they think about race. So, Alley Cat, did you know that we are African Americans? We're majority people. We don't live in that state. 
What? So we're not African Americans? We live far away from African America. Okay. Well, you're making a good point. So what are we? We're folks. Ah, gotcha. Thank you. <laughs> I love that. We're folks. <laughs> and, and, you know. And, and she looked at me like I was totally stupid for asking that question. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, she says there, we live far away from African America. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and she's not wrong. She's saying we live in Virginia. She's right. So, so, so tell us what you draw from what she was saying that, that tells you something about the way we're, we're teaching kids, especially in schools, uh, yeah. about, about these subjects. Um, well, I, I just, I so welcome this conversation, Stephen, because it's been sticking in my craw a little bit for a while. <laughs> my granddaughter is five. Um, so that voice you heard was a five-year-old. Mm -hmm. And of course, we surround her with all kinds of books about black history and, and you know, our ancestors and all the, you know, wonderful accomplishments. So she's, it's not foreign to her. I think what is foreign to her is this is the history of apartheid in the United States and of racial violence. And, um, you know, I tell people that is science fiction to kids today and, and not even just the five-year-olds. And so what you end up doing in school is teaching them how to be racist, <laughs> what, what racism was, and then you teach them, and that was bad. <laughs> and I, I just think that it's way too much. It broke my heart during Black History Month when Aaliyah's kindergartner, kindergarten teacher read a poem every day about Martin Luther King, the exact same poems. I guess she was trying to uh, really get it soaked into their heads. And when I asked Aaliyah, who was Martin Luther King, she said to me, they killed him. Wow. That's all she got. That's all she At knew. five. Yeah. Well, that's what stood out. I mean, why? What's the con? I mean, I think that really racism for young people is a discussion about fairness. And if kids remember anything or know anything, it's not fair. That's not fair. They totally get what fairness is and isn't. Mm -hmm. And then I do think that at some point you can then talk about, well, here are the specific things that were unfair and here's why. But you can't run out the gates like that. And and Stephen, I will even say that African Americans themselves are guilty of this. You know, I mean the the books are so hard to get through. The mm -hmm. the stories are are heavy and ominous. They are not rejoicing of our culture and our success. Um, they are they carry all that baggage into every single story. And so we're re reiterating that we were victimized as a people by people who had power over us. Hmm. And if you are five, whose side are you going to be on? Who are you, uh, who are you identifying who are you with? Who are you going to identify with? Right, right. Uh, but, but so, Des, I want to I wanna have you just kind of address the age question here mm -hmm. a little more. Mm -hmm. So at five, as you point out, it's kind of difficult to, to really understand the, the really complex dynamics and nuances uh, that, that attend uh, an understanding of racism and its history and its, its, its current iterations. So, so what would be, what would be a, a reasonable way, I guess, to, mm -hmm. to, to introduce a five-year-old to the concept of race or racism. And, and I, and I want to bring something up in, in particular. So Michelle Tafoya, who was a, a, a longtime journalist at ESPN, has, has quit and said she's going to go off and uh, work in politics. And she appeared on Fox News uh, recently and talked about her desire to stop racializing uh, America, right? This is something we hear all, all the time. And she used mm -hmm. as an example, her children. She said, why was it that at some point her children started to think of, uh, of black kids as different from them? 
she was, of mm-hmm. course, blaming the schools and saying it's critical race theory and all, all these kind of things. But, but even her ignorance of, of this kind of thing makes me think about um, what is the right way? What is the right, the right time even to, to give kids the kind of racial consciousness that they need to A, navigate, you know, uh, a society that's still really framed by, by racism, but, but also uh, to just kind of understand um, who they are, where they fit into it, and, and what they could do about it. It's not easy. You know, it's not easy. But I do feel that we have to remember that kids today are not walking around and seeing whites only, blacks only, colored only signs, you know. And so when you talk about things, they're like, oh, that's what that sign is. Oh, that's why I had to get in the back. They have no context for those kinds of conversations. Mm -hmm. I have to credit Carmen and Namdi who is an educator in Detroit and ran a Taki Taliba schoolhouse um, on the West side for years. Mm-hmm. She taught what was called the psychology of the norm for black kids. And that is whatever we do is expected and normal, not exceptional. And so here's how she answered that question in her amazing wisdom years ago. Rosa Parks for the little kids The story of Rosa Parks was the story of a man who did not respect his elders and actually would get up and demand that an older woman give up her seat so that he Mm -hmm. could sit down. And what a rude and disrespectful human being he was. And she shouldn't have gotten up for him because that was not fair. Yeah. Okay, that's that's good. I buy that. I uh-huh. I can see how someone wouldn't go up to my grandma and tell her to, you know, get out of line that they should be there first. I can relate to that. I'm 5. Be respectful of people, yeah. of elders. Treat people like human beings. It's only later that you start adding the context of this is how the world was back then and this man picked on her for a very particular reason. So, yeah, just teach people how to be kind, you know, and then, you know, it's almost like the rest follows. It totally follows. It's like then the kids themselves bring the outrage to the stories because they've already been um, taught that respecting the ability and opportunities of all human beings is very important. And here are the stories that illustrate that. Well, it's almost like uh, the idea of giving them the sense of humanity and morality first and then introducing the concept of race into that framework which gives them you know the 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 tools they need to understand why why racism is wrong uh because it looks like these other things that they've already been been taught about exactly yeah yeah. So, Chastity Pratt, I want to bring you into the conversation now as well. You, you also have some personal experience with this uh, as a parent. Uh, a couple of years ago, when you were working uh, at Bridge Magazine, you wrote about what your son's high school was teaching in terms of black history. Remind our listeners of, of what happened there. So, yes, um, just like three years ago now, my son was actually both of my children were in the same class, an African-American history class at Grove High School in Birmingham. And um, you could probably still pull up the story. I did a a commentary piece. It was more like a reported commentary piece. Um, But it all started when my son texted me from the first day of class. And he said, he basically said, we, mama, you will not guess what is on the (laughs) syllabus for this class. (laughs) And he took a screenshot and it was like, you know, some of the stuff you would expect to be taught, um, you know, about the transatlantic slave trade. But the thing that really um, alarmed him was there was a section about post-civil rights movement, African-American history, and it included the students watching Boys in the Hood and Do the Right Thing. And he was just like, is this history? (laughs) Like, no, son, (laughs) (laughs) Spike Lee made that up. (laughs) So, um, and, and, and it just started an entire discussion, uh, between the parents and the school district and the teachers, 
about, you know, what is history and what are we doing and why are you teaching this? I mean, there was nothing about even Barack Obama on the syllabus. So, um, long story short, the teacher ended up retiring at the end of that year. He got replaced, like, immediately by a different teacher, and he ended up retiring. Um, And the superintendent apologized, and they instituted a sort of a curriculum review of the class to make sure that it was meeting, um, you know, core curriculum standards and such. Uh, so it was, it was, it was stressful. And, you know, for my kids, it was stressful because, you know, they started off in Detroit public schools and, uh, then, uh, we moved to Southfield and they went to Birmingham schools and, you know, 78, 80% white and the middle school they went to, you could count the black kids on two hands. So they had experienced being called the N word multiple mm-hmm. times from other kids. And they had experienced microaggressions. I can't tell you how many times I've gone up to school talking to the teachers about, you know, just the different uh, racist incidents that my kids, um, you know, suffered through in, in, in school. And for them to end up in class and feel like they were being basically assaulted by the curriculum, it, they took it to a different level. Um, and, and I felt like, you know, we needed to open a community conversation around this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we want to hear from you during this conversation uh, as well. Give us a call and let us know how you think we are teaching black history during Black History Month uh, in, in schools. Do you think it's reflective of the complexity and depth of the African-American experience in the United States? Uh, tell us what your kids are learning specifically this month uh, in school about African-American history uh, and and racism. Uh, also give us ideas about what you think could be better uh, with regard to the way that we teach all of these things. Uh, and, and how early do you think we ought to be introducing children to the idea of this history, uh, to the idea of inequality and racism? As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter, put comments there, uh, and uh, we'll work you into the conversation uh, that way. Um, so I, I want to talk uh, just a little about what what could be better. Um, and Chastity, uh, you're the Education Bureau Chief for the Wall Street Journal. Uh, give us an idea of where that conversation is at a national level. Are, are, are people really thinking harder or differently uh, about these things now than they were just a, f- just a few years ago? I mean, it seems like we're talking about it a lot, but I'm curious about how schools are, are, are dealing with it. Right. So um, let's go back to 2019 when I wrote that, that uh, commentary. We called it the miseducation of Michigan, how states fail kids in black history. And at that time, Michigan was actually going under, uh, undergoing a review of social studies. And, you know, it takes years to uh, change curriculum, uh, uh, usually, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, But now what we're seeing, it goes back to what you were saying earlier, Stephen, about culture war, right? Mm-hmm. You have right now, bills in 35 states um, that are taking on these issues, uh, issues of, you know, uh, divisive concepts being taught in school, divisive concepts being issues around race and gender and and, and sex even um, in 35 states. Now, some of those bills are going to die ugly death because they have Democratic governors who won't go for it. But some mm-hmm. of those have Democratic um, governors who are pushing in behind it, like in Florida, the don't say gay uh, bill and, and other anti-critical race theory bills that are out there. So it is a huge conversation right now. And um, Scott Calvert at the, the Wall Street Journal just did a story a couple weeks ago about how that is evolving into a public conversation and bills that will not only um, curtail or change what is being taught in class, but now you have bills out there where people are saying, you know what, I want to see everything 
teachers need to put their entire curriculum online. They need to let parents and random taxpayers watch classes and they need to upload, you know, their, their lesson plans. It's just, it's snowballing. Hmm. Um, and, and, and I think you were right. It's, it's part of a culture war. How much of this is about improving um, our, our students' understanding of history? Uh, that's debatable. Um, but I will tell you this, right now in Michigan, if you look at our state standardized test scores in 2021, social studies is the bottom. And it always has been. You know, most people will think, oh, science, math, our kids perform, um, you know, their struggle more with science and math. No, it's social studies, and it always has been. Social studies, fifth grade, 2021, 15% of our fifth graders passed the social studies test in Michigan. Wow. In wow. 2021, and you can say, okay, well, it was a pandemic. A lot of kids didn't take the test. Okay, go back to 2019. 17 <laughs> percent of fifth graders passed the social studies test. So wow. we've always struggled with getting our kids to understand and comprehend social studies, and a lot of that is history. It is, you know, understanding and recounting facts. That has always been a struggle, and now we're having this public struggle across the country, 35 states, about what should be taught and how. And this concept that, you know, divisive concepts need to be taught in a certain way in schools because students are being made to feel uncomfortable or guilty is a new part of the conversation, right? Yeah, yeah. I could argue that my son felt very uncomfortable. <laughs> in, exactly. <laughs> a few years ago in his African-American history class, but there was no, you know, one saying we should change the law because the black kids are feeling uncomfortable. But now we're in a post-George Floyd America where there are certain people saying we need to revisit how history is being taught. And there's this um, conversation around critical race theory, even though critical race theory has never been taught in K-12 schools. Um, so, yeah, yes, Stephen, I think that there's something to what you're saying as far as well, this being a culture war and not necessarily about educational um, attainment by our students. Because if you really think about it, history has always been about, you know, learning facts. What happened, yeah. when, and how. Right. But right, when you start right. talking about why these things happen, <laughs> you open it to interpretations and teachers, you know, are teaching what they teach. In the middle of a cultural war, people want to control what and how kids are taught. And I'm sorry, I've studied and written about school for 20 years, but I am not a K-12 teacher, you know. <laughs> I teach journalism on the, on the college level, but... I would never think that I could stand in the place of my kid's history teacher and say, you know, this is how you teach it. As a parent, yes, I could say, maybe you shouldn't teach, you know, boys in the hood to my kid as history. But the, yeah. the point is the extent of the bills and even some of the laws that have been um, written into the books now, it, it's, um, it is at a fever pitch right now. And I'm not sure yeah. how much of it is really about educational attainment. Sure, sure. Okay, when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation about Black History Month, how we teach black history and teach about the history of racism in schools. Uh, we'll get to some of your phone calls and social media comments as well. Tim in Detroit, Christopher in Detroit, Jay, a student at Seaholm High School in Birmingham. We'll hear from you first. If you want to join them on the phones, 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313 577 1019. You can also go to social media and put comments there. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. WDET is your connection to what's happening in Detroit. WDET is your place for open dialogue about the issues that impact you. Stay in the know. This is WDET-FM, Detroit's NPR station. This is Detroit Today on 101.9. 
WDEP. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We're talking this hour about uh, Black History Month and the way that black history, the history of racism and inequality, the way we teach it in our schools, K-12 schools. Uh, all of us who have children in K-12 are thinking, I think, thinking a little more about the way that uh, black history is dealt with uh, in schools. There's a national conversation going on, in fact, uh, a national fight, really, about how to teach black history. Uh, we've got two really great guests with us talking about this. Uh, Chastity Pratt is the Education Bureau Chief for the Wall Street Journal. Desiree Cooper is a journalist, activist, and caregiver. Both of them have personal experiences uh, with the way that their children or grandchildren uh, are being taught black history uh, in, in the schools. Uh, we want to hear from you about what your experience is. Uh, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook or Twitter and put comments there, and we can include you that way. Uh, I want to start today with a student. Uh, Jay is a student at Seaholm uh, High School in Birmingham. Jay, what's on your mind? Hi. You know, it's really great to be here. Um, we've just been talking about, you know, black history a lot and how it's talked about in schools. And I think a lot of the time when we discuss black history, we really only discuss slavery. And that is not all of black history. And I think when we talk about Black History Month, we have to talk about how black people have been excluded from history in general in the past. Um, and I think that these discussions are really important. And when we look at history in the future and the curriculum now, we can see how teachers have had to implement their own history. It's not in the textbook for them. Hmm. So when we talk about black history, we have to talk about including us into everything, not only just in Black History Month, but in general, in all history, in all sciences. I think that's really important. So, so Jay, I, I want to have you talk just a little about what the experience at Seaholm looks like. Uh, you know, Birmingham's a community that's, that's changing demographically quite a bit. Um, I know that there have been a number of discussions and some arguments uh, out there about this subject and, and, and others. Give us a sense of what it's like uh, for you day to day. Um, just at Seaholm High School, uh, I really enjoy going there. I really like it. And um, though it is a predominantly white school, I do feel very seen. Um, I think Seahall makes a really, a really good job. They do a really good job of trying to make, you know, the people of color seen. I'm actually an officer of the Black Student Union at my school. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something that is really special to me because that's really such a strong community of black people there that really care about one another. And we talk about our history together and our triumphs and our successes. And we talk about black excellence, but we also talk about black pain. And I think that that right there is such an integral part of who I am now that mm. if I didn't have that, if I didn't go to see home, I think I'd be a different person. Wow. Wow. Uh, Jay, I'm really, I'm really glad you called. And I imagine that uh, you're able to do this with us today because uh, it's a snow day here and you probably don't have school. <laughs> Otherwise, you would be in class and not, not calling into the, uh, the radio station. But I'm really glad that you did. That's uh, a really great perspective. Des Cooper, I want to get you to, to respond or react to what Jay is talking about here. Yeah, I, 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 ha I post this every February, the reminder that slavery is white history and how we survived it is black history. Mm -hmm. So um, maybe with that regard, if, if we want to do the history of, of the oppressors all year round, you know, slavery should be taught outside of Black History Month, not inside of Black History Month. <laughs> um, and Black History Month would be, you know, about our successes and our, our triumphs and our accommodations uh, to the privilege of being Americans, you know. Um, so I, I do appreciate what Jay is saying. I, and I did want to comment a little bit on, on ja Chastity's point, you know, just mm -hmm. about the culture wars. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think we do have to do a nod to teachers who are trying, like Jay said, they're, they're trying to bring in the resources themselves um, because they're, it's not sitting there for them and it's not in the books and they're making mistakes, you know. But it's like we're we're pouncing on the ones who are trying at, at some point and i think 
more conversation and less argument, you know, more context, more, um, more of an ability to accommodate different approaches would just be so helpful. Teachers are indeed very embattled and I couldn't do their jobs. Um, you will find African-American teachers that black parents are unhappy with. <laughs> so it's mm -hmm. not, you know what I'm saying? It's not, it's not the color of the teacher um, necessarily all the time. It's what are the tools available to them? And when mistakes are made or directions don't seem to be working, how good are we at retooling, retrenching, you know, adding to um, the experiments, frankly, that we're doing in the classroom around race? Yeah, yeah. Again, Jay, really, really appreciate uh, the call and uh, and and the comments. So, Chastity, I wonder what what your reaction is to what Jay is saying, given that uh, you had children in the Birmingham schools, and uh, and again that uh, that you edit education for the Wall Street Journal nationally. She she's really brave to get out and talk about these um, topics because you know she you know you never know how students and teachers in your school district will respond. So bravo to her. Um, you know, I find it interesting because uh, school is supposed to be about school. <laughs> it's supposed to be about <laughs> learning social studies and history, learning facts. Again, what happened, when, and how. And um, the, just to, to go a little further, what I was saying about test scores, you know, you have students, um, if you, again, go back and read the, the commentary that I um, wrote, you have students who, you know, most of whom don't think that the Civil War had anything to do with slavery. Um, you know, and the New York Times did a piece several years ago looking at textbooks, the same textbook maker changing the textbook depending on the region that it was sending the textbook mm -hmm. to. So in Texas, you you see all oh, the Ku Klux Klan was an anti-Republican organization. What? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and the same book, you know, in New York would say, you know, something different about the KKK. So when you have um, social, social um, attitudes shaping how history is taught, that's where you end up with students in different regions of the country having different attitudes towards each other. So it's, it's really about what we teach and how we teach it, you know, um, and the issue around, you know, making um, teachers so afraid to teach because they could be fined. You know, that's what some of these bills and laws are doing, saying if you make your students feel guilty or uncomfortable, you could be fined 5000 10000 That is the sort of pressure that teachers don't deserve. Um, and they are, some are fighting back, you know, there's unions in, in most states that are saying, you know, just let us do our job. Uh, but when you really drill down to telling teachers how to teach because of the feelings that it might, you know, uh, elicit from students, that is tricky territory uh, because you never know how, you know, students are going to feel from being taught certain things. And history is, in a lot of ways, very ugly. And, you know, like with Des's granddaughter only knowing that MLK died and was mm -hmm. killed, you know, that's, that is problematic and troubling for a little kid. Um, it happened. So, you know, there needs to be discussion around helping, you know, our students to um, deal with their feelings around what happened, but the discomfort we may feel from learning what we learn, um, again, I'm not so certain that that has anything to do with educational attainment. What are we doing? If school is about school and we're teaching just the facts, yeah. you know, why should <laughs> But Chastity, when you say that, just play? the facts, I mean, that's the problem, right? It's, are, are we in the zone of alternative facts? What are the facts when it comes to history? You know, it's we're learning. It's as subjective. I mean, certainly we know that something had happened on a certain date, but we may not know exactly what happened on that date um, because history has been rewritten and is so subjective. So, you know, where we are is in 
in an era where we are realizing that the facts aren't just that and the context can can be everything. Um, how about bringing in people into the classroom ha who had different experiences? You know, how about, um, as we were talking about earlier, the it's almost like tell the moral of the story, mm -hmm. teach the moral of the story. Um, and, you know, your, your heart will search for the rest. The kids will read and understand the rest and understand the context. But it is hard because they aren't just the facts, especially around social studies in, in history and English, you know, literature. It's so subjective. And it's all been from one point of view up until now. Yeah, up until now. So the question that I um, posed is, you know, what's the point? What are we trying to do? Are we trying to teach our students um, what happened? Or are we trying to um, say certain things can't be taught with the understanding that a generation from now, people won't even know these things anymore? Won't even mm -hmm. know really what happened in the Civil War? Won't really know what happened, you know, post-Civil Rights? You know, when you start to um, ban books, and mm -hmm. uh, curtail your curriculum because uh, talking about the Ku Klux Klan makes people feel guilty or uncomfortable. At a certain point, you, you get a blackout in, these, in yeah. a generation from now. People be like, that didn't happen. Right. Yeah, you get Holocaust deniers, right? Yes. I mean, right. That's, exactly. that's what happens. Yeah. 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 Totally. And I, and so the question is, is that the point? <laughs> right. No, mm -hmm. that is not where we, that is absolutely not where we want to go. Okay, well, maybe uh, it is for some people. <laughs> for some people, it is, and that, and that, I mean that that's what the argument is that that we seem mm -hmm. to be stuck having. Okay, uh, Chastity Pratt and Des Cooper, it's always great to have you guys here. We could have this conversation all day, but uh, but I am out mm -hmm. of time for for it right now. But but thanks to both of you for uh, for joining us and shedding a little light on this subject. Thank Anytime. you. When we come back, we are going to continue this conversation, this time with someone who has taught history and black history in a classroom and who now teaches new teachers how to approach these subjects. We'll also get to more of your phone calls and your social media comments. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones, and you can go to Facebook or Twitter and put comments there. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you've joined us. We're talking this hour about Black History Month and the way black history and the history of racism are taught in our schools to our children. It's a subject of uh, quite a bit of argument right now at the national level. Um, lots of states having a hard time deciding whether to even allow teachers to talk about race and racism at any point uh, during the year, let alone during Black History Month. We want to hear from you about what's going on with your children and your schools. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter and put comments there and we'll work you into the conversation. I want to welcome another voice uh, to this conversation as well, and uh, somebody who has kind of an upfront view of it from the teacher perspective. Uh, Akila Lyons-Moore is Assistant Professor of Clinical Education at the University of Southern California. She's also a former K-12 teacher and administrator who has extensive experience training new teachers. Akila, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Good morning. Yes. So before we get into your work training new teachers on how to teach these things, I want to ask you about your experience as a teacher. Uh, mm -hmm. You were teaching these subjects. Talk about how you decided to approach black history and what the effects were uh, of that approach. Well, I think for me, um, as a black person myself, there is no distinction between, you know, history and black history. It's it's all one and the same. 
And so um, in teaching high school history, I approached, um, you know, teaching my students uh, a whole more holistic view of history, mainly because many of them were uh, black students, uh, Latino students, Filipino students. And so for me, it was important to be able to create um, learning experiences in the classroom that they could relate to, um, that they were interested in, um, being able to tap into some of the, you know, cultural knowledge that, that they knew already. Um, maybe they didn't have the academic or school, you know, um, centric language to put to it, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just a part of who we are, right? History mm-hmm. is, um, the story of this country at different times from multiple perspectives. And so um, for me, that was, you know, my obligation was to, you know, teach them a little bit about, you know, this country from the perspectives that they may have been able to uh, relate to or question. Um, And, you know, it wasn't easy, but it it definitely led to um, more engaging classes. And was there any kind of backlash, I guess, against the mm-hmm. idea of what you were doing? I mean, were there, were there parents who said, hey, why, why are you talking about these things? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes, I had backlash. <laughs> um, and, you know, not just from uh, white students and parents, but sometimes even from, you know, black parents and black students who, um, you know, were... I would characterize it as maybe a little fearful, not understanding why I would, um, you know, approach uh, conversations of slavery and lynching, Um, you know, for example, in the classroom, uh, being afraid of what, you know, how their young people um, would be understanding it and maybe what others outside of the classroom would say. But yes, I, I faced a lot of backlash. I... I always tell my my teacher candidates I would have a annual um, come to talk to the principal meeting <laughs> about <laughs> um, you know what I was teaching or uh, how I was teaching it, what some of the um, you know comments were of parents who were concerned. Yeah, I've had everything from parents telling me oh, no, my daughter, my son is not going to be in her classroom, you know, to threatening to pull them out of my classroom Hmm. and, you know, really questioning um, why I was teaching um, the way that I was and um, accusing me of being, you know, racist and um, trying to indoctrinate (laughs) their children. and, you know, for me, it was all about um, really being able to, on one hand, listen to, you know, whatever their critiques or comments were, and then being able to explain to them, well, this is history. It might be a different perspective um, than what you have um, known or grown up or have, you know, seen yourself. I oftentimes would open up my classroom, my curriculum, um, and show them, you know, what uh, we were doing as as a group in the in the classroom. So um, it was very difficult, though, yeah. very difficult. I can definitely relate to um, the earlier conversation about the pressure on teachers and how difficult it is um, to be able to navigate this, especially without the necessary supports that teachers need um, to, to be able to teach this way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. Uh, let's go back to them with William in Ferndale. William, welcome to the show. Hi, Stephen. Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh-huh. Go ahead. In uh, August of uh, 2019, I was on my porch and I read the New York Times and I read the 1619 Project and did not blink. Um, I was teaching journalism at Western National High School in Detroit, where I just retired after 30 years. And I, was, and I taught that immediately. I taught that document immediately to those students, especially Jones's opening essay. And uh, a couple few weeks ago, I just finished 
the book form, which is expanded. And mm-hmm. I realized that I was holding one hand, one of the most important documents written in recent years and absolutely mm-hmm. essential to be taught not only to our, to especially to our students, but like every person in this country should read that. Uh, just so, in so many aspects and just echoing what the very articulate student from Seaholm said that um, many, just not just, this, not just the slavery question and not just the oppression, definitely that, but many other um, aspects of the African-American story since, you know, 1619 were documented in that book. So I just wanted to share that. And that's, uh, that yeah. many of my colleagues, that I, at the former colleagues and current colleagues are uh, right in line with my point of view on that. Yeah, William, I really, I, I really love that you called and and shared that perspective, and it's a great segue uh, to having you, Akila Lyons, more talk more about what you are teaching teachers to do mm-hmm. and how to to contextualize these kind of things. Uh, now, sixteen nineteen project is is again one of the flashpoints uh, mm-hmm. around this discussion. A lot of people think it should not be taught. Um, but but talk about the ways in which you are telling teachers, hey, this is this is how you do this, uh, and here's the content that you can you need to include. Yes, um, I completely agree. The sixteen nineteen project is um, it it is one of the most powerful documents, and I would say um, overviews of you know really the history of the United States and. Um, one of the things that I try to uh, impress upon my teacher candidates is that, you know, the way that they can approach teaching black history and is to integrate it into all of the history that they teach it, uh, that they teach so that it is not seen as a subset or standard um, or uh, just something that you do around Dr. King's birthday or, um, you know, during February, but rather that it's integrated into um, the entire history curriculum. Um, it is difficult because many of uh, my candidates have even said to me, well, you know, my um, my guiding teacher, so the teacher that they're in the classroom with while they're doing student teaching, you know, are, are um, they won't let me talk about race or they won't let me talk about slavery. And I wanted to show this, you know, uh, primary source document, um, but I was told that I can't because they themselves are scared or nervous uh, for whatever the backlash is. And so one of the things that I um, continually um, talk to my candidates about is being able to, you know, find uh, different sources um, being able to use those sources as they um, are researching and or presenting, you know, to their students. Um, one of your earlier guests made a comment that I thought was was really interesting about the way in which we teach history. So are we just mm-hmm. teaching the facts? Are we, you know, mm-hmm. teaching, like, what are we teaching for? And so I also encourage my candidates to think about, um, like, what is the purpose of teaching history? Are you trying to teach the skill of critical thinking? Are you trying to teach the skill of, you know, understanding an event from multiple perspectives? And so these are some of the ways that um, I would encourage my, you know, candidates to teach is to um, use uh, history, um, a diverse, you know, pluralistic, more uh, authentic view of American history by teaching skills. I think that another um, aspect to this is, you know, the um, is really understanding that that teaching is not a, a neutral act politically. It is teaching education is not politically neutral. And I think a lot of teachers have to understand that their choices of curriculum, text, how they will go about teaching um, their students, um, you know, can be questioned. And so, you know, do you have as a teacher, do you have lessons that are connected to standards, uh, whatever the state standards are, um, you know, for your school or your district? 
Um, do you have clear objectives that are, are written? And, I mean, these are much more of the uh, technical aspects of teaching, but I, what I tell my candidates is that this is your professional, um, you know, uh, almost uh, authority, right? You have the authority as the teacher. You have been, um, you know, trained in these more technical aspects to be able to make these decisions. And sometimes you may have to explain them. So you should be able to do so using standards, your understanding of the curriculum, you know, um, understanding of cultural, you know, different cultures. Um, but I think it's a, it's a much bigger issue um, because teachers really do not have a lot of support um, to teach this way in the classroom. And so oftentimes it's left up to individual teachers um, or, yeah, you know, small groups of teachers. Yeah, yeah, which is very difficult. Okay, Akila Lyons more. I would love to have this conversation for much longer, but uh, we are out of time. Uh, I really want to thank you, though, for, for coming by and, and explaining this uh, for our listeners. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you. That's going to do it for us this week. I will be back on Monday, and I hope you will, too. This is 1019 WDETFM, Detroit's NPR station. Your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again on Monday.